Welcome back to the Hooked with TMO Fishing podcast, where we talk about all things fishing, recovery, and maybe even do a little bit of ranting. Thanks for tuning in. This episode, I'm joined by my good friend, Chad Cummings, out in southwestern Minnesota, Worthington. He is a a radio guy. He owns four radio stations. Uh, He runs a nonprofit and is heavily, heavily involved in several other nonprofits, including one to benefit his local lakes. So today we're going to talk about a little bit of fishing stuff, recovery. We have very similar stories. He's also a recovering alcoholic, and uh, he'll tell us all about his work in his nonprofits, and we'll talk a little bit of fishing towards the end. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy this one. All right, I'm joined today with Chad Cummings. Chad, you're in the Midwest. Tell folks where about in the Midwest you are. Yeah, I'm actually, I, I live in Worthington, Minnesota, uh, where I uh, own and operate some radio stations. And uh, my fishing world, uh, you know, which you and I connected with, um, uh, really consists of a little bit of Southwest Minnesota fishing. I'm in the extreme Southwest corner of Minnesota. So I'm 11 miles from Iowa and like 45 miles from South Dakota. So I'm way down in the corner. Um, so for me to go to Lake of the Woods or to the Rainy River, it's like a seven and a half hour drive Ouch. clear across the state. So um, uh, I'm not in what most Minnesotans would call the fishing you know, area of, of Minnesota. Uh, yeah. I'm down in the Prairie Pothole Lakes. So uh, where my really uh, action happens, which is mostly ice fishing, um, is in Okaboji, Iowa, which is a you know, world-renowned fishery, uh, yep. 160 feet deep crystal blue lake that uh, you can sight fish at 25 feet in the winter, and it's got incredible bluegills, and it's got crappies, and muskies, and bass, and uh, yellow bass, and perch, and uh, it's just, it's incredible. The bluegill fishing is world-renowned that in Okoboji and has been for years. Yeah, yeah, it's, I've never been there, but it's certainly on the radar, and you know, you can't, uh, you can't really be as involved as we are in, in the ice fishing or fishing world without hearing it, you know, yeah. when people go there and, you know, events there and yeah. Some of the earliest ice fishing competitions and things, the trap attacks and stuff that Gens ran uh, years ago were, you know, the Ice Institute, the University of Ice, whatever was uh, down in Okaboji. Yep. And uh, so that's where I first met Dave Gens, you know, before I was, you know, really involved in the industry, you know, Dave and his buddies were coming down there to fish this unbelievable body of water because it had massive gills and, and it educated people because it's so clear that, uh, you know, I, I get a kick out of it year after year, people come down and I remember the crappie boom of Red Lake. And I don't know if you ever heard about that in the, what was that? early teens of uh, 2000 mm-hmm. they were red lake upper red lake uh which now is you know walleye melee you know early ice and everything <laughs> for years they had no walleye in there because whatever happened the saining and you know i'll let people fight that fight whatever they want to talk about but yeah um the walleyes were gone and crappies just went nuts and there were 14 15 inch 16 inch crappies and it was just crazy so you go up there and you fish crappies and i have buddies who own property on the north side you go up there and you'd use a one inch like power bait minnow you yep. know a spoon or something like that you think you're going to catch a fish in okaboji iowa even if you're talking walleyes you throw a one inch anything down there good night they're gone yeah um, you, there's no crappie in the world i've ever seen bite a one inch anything um, I'm using two and a half millimeter fiscas and biting half of my plastics off. So it's, I mean, it's the most minute thing in the world. Yeah. Um, and you can't have twist. You got to have your knot in the right place. You can't use too heavy a line. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's, it just educates people and I love it, you know, and Dave loves it. And Dave comes down and fishes with me and Jason Mitchell comes and fishes and they film shows and Okaboji is just kind of cool. So me and Chad Lorth, uh, we thrive on uh, the fun of Okaboji on a, daily basis yep nice i um yeah before we get too far in, I'll, I'll just say real quick that so dave dave gans used to come out here every year on his little road trip that he did a uh, good friend of mine mark Boshane, first met him at a show in vermont that 
he would come and do with Jamie Vladica. Yep. And Mark said, you know, can we get you to come over to New Hampshire? We'd like to get you to come over to New Hampshire on your, you know, next year on your trip and do, uh, you know, maybe do a seminar. Maybe we could, they had a television show at the time. Maybe we could get you on the show. And he says, his only question was, do you have eight inch, eight inch bluegills? <laughs> <laughs> so Mark had to make sure that he brought him to a place that had at least eight inch bluegills. Yep. And uh, that was, that was how we, we got Dave to come over here. Before we get too far into the weeds here, talking about fishing, because especially <laughs> when I don't, I don't get to see, you know, I tell people out here that a lot of my closest friends are actually in the Midwest. Um, yeah. I, probably, I probably have more close relationships out there than I do here. And I've lived here my whole life. Just, just because of my association with the fishing industry, not that I have anything against New Englanders, um, <laughs> but uh, talk a little bit about, you know, who you are, what you do, what you do for a living, sure. um, you know, just to give kind of people you've talked about where you, you know, where you're located already. Um, so I'm, I'm one of the old guys, uh, if you will, of the ice fishing industry, maybe uh, in today's world. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be 48 here in a few weeks, and uh, I've, I've been doing this uh, for uh, quite a while. And uh, in real life, uh, I'm, a, I'm a radio guy. Um, so I have uh, a wife. I have three kids. Um, I'm a very poor planner. Um, uh, and that's because I'm also an alcoholic and drug addict. And uh, that means that life just flies by the seat of its pants um, because every day is different. Um, I have three kids. I was, and all my wife and I have been married for 25 years. Um, we're just really poor planners, and I see squirrels quite often. You know, <laughs> just boom, boom. You know, things happen. And yeah. so I have a 22-year-old daughter, a 19-year-old daughter, and a 10-year-old son, and uh, and uh, that has provided me many things for many years of my life. Uh, you know, my daughters grew up as boys, kind of, because <laughs> I I uh, never had. Uh, boys to spoil and take outdoors and hunting and fishing and things like that. So my daughters did all of that. Um, yeah. And then uh, it changed even a little bit more in my personal life. When my son was born, um, I talk for a living. I'm on the radio. You know, I did a morning show for years and uh, now I own stations and uh, uh, I'm a city councilman and uh, I sell air for a living. Uh, I talk <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I have a, 10 year old, he's 10 now, Keegan is, uh, he's a nonverbal autistic boy. Mm -hmm. um, so talk about throwing the curveball at life. Um, here I have this little boy who never spoke until he was almost five years old. Um, wow. And I talk for a living and uh, we don't have conversations. Um, he says a million words now, but he never said any until he was five. Um, <clears throat> Now he says a million words and he can recite entire PBS programs, including who all the founders, uh, funders and donators are at the end of PBS programs. Yeah. He can recite the entire thing, but we don't have conversations. So my outdoors life, I, I didn't, I've never been able to enjoy that with my son so much um, because he just, he, he doesn't talk. I don't know when he's cold. I don't know, you know, things like mm. that. His threshold of pain is, ginormous so uh I, I don't we just don't do that um you can ask him hey keegan how was your day at school and he says how was your day you know he just repeats some of the words and but then yeah. he'll go and you'll hear him in his bedroom and he'll recite a 30-minute program verbatim it's it's amazing wow. uh the world of autism so i created a nonprofit uh, along with my wife and uh, we help non uh help Autistic families in a 60-mile radius uh, by buying them iPads, crash pads, sling chairs, sensory items, and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I have four radio stations because music is huge in my life. Um, yeah. I've always been a music junkie um, since I was a little kid. Um, uh, growing up, I was in musicals and uh, all that stuff in high school. Um, and uh, I was a concert junkie which probably aided and helped in my addiction problem uh, because <laughs> I was going to concerts at a very young age. And I've seen, I, I literally couldn't tell people that most people want to punch me in the face because I've been to so many shows, seen so many live bands, um, met them, uh, done that because of my love for music um, that it led to uh, my life 
of being kind of crazy. Uh, I got my first minor in possession, minor consumption of drinking, Tim, when I was 13. Um, <laughs> I was in a big sporting family. My dad, my entire family are huge. We have a huge wrestling family. Uh, and in the upper Midwest, that's a big thing. You know, if you ever follow wrestling, college wrestling, yeah. uh, oh, the, the Big Ten is the power mecca until you find some of the schools out east, you know, Lehigh's and the Cornell's and uh, things like that that have incredible wrestling programs as well. But the Midwest, uh, my family entrenched in wrestling. My dad's a Hall of Famer. My uncle is a Hall of Famer in Iowa. Uh, my cousin is a two-time national champion for Iowa State. I have multiple state champions uh, in my family. Uh, I took fourth in, in the cadet nationals in Greco-Roman uh, when I was younger. Um, we just have a huge family in wrestling. Yep. So there was a lot of pressure. And my dad was my head coach. And my dad, like I said, Hall of Fame coach in the state of Minnesota. Um, There's a lot of pressure to be what my cousins and my dad was a state champ and a college All-American and, you know, the coach and, you know, all that pressure. And uh, I was really good um, growing up, especially in my early teens. And that pressure kind of got to me. Yep. And uh, it, I, I didn't like it. I didn't deal with it very well. I'm, I'm a pretty depressed person. Um, and I always kind of have been. Uh, it's just something I've, I've battled with. And my world, had, you know, was always kind of dark. And so I went to a crutch. And uh, that crutch first was alcohol. And uh, I got my first arrest at the age of 13 in the middle of wrestling season. Not good. Yeah. When your dad's the head coach. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, it led me to a spiraled world of uh, uh, crap. I mean, I, I wrecked my life uh, literally through a, a bunch of different things. And uh, I've been sober for, uh, I'm coming up on 28 years here. And uh, uh, day by day, I make it through and I work hard. And um, probably the biggest thing I can say is I, I, I modeled my life after a song. And it's weird because music uh, being my life, um, yeah. I got my first job in radio six months sober at the very building I'm sitting in right now uh, <laughs> for $4.75 an hour, six months sober, working overnights yeah. from 11 o'clock at night till six o'clock in the morning. And uh, now I own the place <laughs> and I have four radio stations and have a few million dollars worth of debt. And uh, uh the addiction uh, and the song go hand in hand because the song was by an artist named Stuart Davis, very eclectic Minnesota artist. And he wrote a song called I'm only changing drugs. And that's what I did in my life. Um, yeah. And all I did was change the drug. I, I'm an addict. I just changed what I addicted myself to. And I, in all my talks with schools and people and organizations that have me speak now, um, I'm addicted to three things. Uh, I addict myself to family, my career, and giving. And uh, that's what makes me feel good because I'm a depressed person. Mm -hmm. uh, so I need something that's going to keep me up and keep me going. Otherwise, I'm going to fall right back into it. Yes. So uh, I changed my drug. And uh, now I have funder I do fundraisers. Uh, in the fishing world, that's really where I've kind of focused my life is I fish events and fundraisers instead of doing tournaments and personal game stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. I, you know, um, that guy right there, yeah. my first 30 inch walleye through the ice. Um, nice. And uh, that's, you know, that's the only skin mount I have. Yeah. Um, but it was the first one and I accomplished something that people rarely get to do. Yep. And since I've caught another seven, 30, over 30 inches in my life, but uh, you know what, that really doesn't matter. I did something that I never thought I could do is, you know, attention to detail and focus and planning and doing all these things. And I got this monster fish that was like, oh my God. And, uh, you know, I addicted myself to walleye fishing for a few years and, and I did really good at it. And, and uh, so I do those things. Um, but now uh, the, the drive for stuff like that isn't there. Now I want to help people out mm -hmm. and, uh, it makes me feel good. So 
through my career, I do fundraisers with radio uh, promotions, concert venues where I give money away, uh, ice fishing events where I get to help out organizations and, uh, and groups uh, and introducing other people to things that maybe will make them feel better about life because that's what I need. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I, um, I, I can relate to changing your drug. You know, I remember you've probably heard this. It's, it's kind of a, you've been to meetings. You can't go to, to meetings, AA meetings very long without hearing somebody say, if you chase recovery the way you chased your drinking, you'll do pretty well here. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's basically Absolutely. what I did for a long time. You know, I was, okay. um, that was kind of my, my drug was, you know, going to, going to 12 step meetings, going to AA meetings for a long time. And, you know, I would go to sometimes two a day. I've been to three a day, you know, I mean, sure. some of that wasn't so much that I was like, this is awesome. I can't, you know, I'm going to do really good at this. I didn't want to be there, but I knew that the only time I ever stayed sober was when I wasn't there. I mean, when I was there, when I wasn't there, I couldn't stay sober. So I went all the time and eventually was able to taper off a little bit. But, you know, for me, fishing has been, has been that way building, you know, I started a guide service 12 years ago, building that business was uh, an obsession. I chased it, you know, I ate, slept and breathed it. And I probably, you know, still in a lot of ways do, but now like you, I'm kind of getting to that point where you got to give it away to keep it kind of rings in my head and, you know, I, I, I'm not getting rich, but nope. I, I benefit so greatly from the fishing industry that every day that I, I don't think about how to give something back, i.e. this podcast, um, I feel like I'm kind of cheating the system. People are going to listen to this one. And I, I, and I just, you know, I finished your, your first one where you told your story. Mm -hmm. uh, other than the fact that you're skinny um, your little dude, um, yep. you could close the video portion off in people's mind if they know what we look like and everything. Yeah. Um, we are carbon copies. Oh yeah. In so many ways. I mean, but years you, you, you drove me. Yeah. Our age, the number of years we're sober. Yeah. It's when you drove me, you gave me a ride, um, to my girlfriend's father's house. Was that the St. Paul show? Yeah, I think yeah. It, it was either that a pro day or something. Yeah, a pro day. That's right. It might pro have been day. pro day. Yeah, I remember getting out of the truck thinking, that guy's like me. Might <laughs> <laughs> take away the radio and yep. like the, the, yeah. the, the size. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it's a crazy world, uh, you know, that, uh, and I, I find that, you know, that's, there's a reason why I'm in the fishing industry. Um, I'm not in it as a career. That's a little different. Uh, but I've been in it a long time and I need, um, so, you know, if you want to go back into my fishing world and as I got sober, um, I got started on the internet forums. Um, so, uh, fishingminnesota.com and hotspot outdoors and, uh, Rick McCann had those, uh, uh forums that were huge mm -hmm. back in the, you know, late nineties, early two thousands. And, um, I just got enthralled with them. You know, I'd come home from work instead of going to a bar or something. Um, I just got just totally, you know, I was on them all the time and uh, checking out what people were using and new equipment and, and uh, techniques and locations and, and hows and what's. And, and uh, I was on there so much that I got uh, uh, actually, uh, you know, people, I, I will, I'll preface with this. Um, People love the fact that they think that teams, uh, you know, companies, teams, whatever, hate each other. Yeah. Um, and, and I just, I love to laugh at that. Some of my best friends in the ice fishing industry yeah. use different products. Yeah. Sponsored by different companies. Yeah. And people think that, oh my gosh, they're against each other. You know what? No, not at all. I've used yeah. every product out there. At some point in my life, I got to the point where I had some products that were better for me than others. Mm -hmm. Companies that had a philosophy different than other companies for one minute or one day or, or a year that I liked that I ingrained myself to. I had been a member of probably 20 different companies, pro staffs at different times. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm, I'm on like five. Yep. Um, and that's by my choice because there are certain companies and certain people 
that I've just felt more at home with. So that's who I've stuck with. Yeah. But I've been doing this for like 20 years, um, ingrained in the industry at shows and with companies. And it's the people um, that does it as much as the companies, but more so the people. So I have all kinds of friends who wear a different color or use a different type rod or use uh, a different sonar or flasher. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. There was, there was a day me and Jason Mitchell were sitting on Devil's Lake together <laughs> when I had pro staff for almost every opposite company that he was pro staffing for. <laughs> and guess what? It didn't matter. It didn't matter to Jason Mitchell. He's my buddy. Yeah. It didn't matter to the fish. They didn't, they didn't know what we were using. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter to any of my friends. And uh, that was what I was like, this is, I mean, you know, this is what's cool about it. Eventually, yeah, we use a lot of the same things because I found that uh, things change in the industry and the products change. And now uh, I'm kind of at home with, you know, my, my alliances, where, you know, I'm a Clam Pro, I'm a Bexlar Pro, I'm a Cold Snap Outdoor Pro. Yeah. Uh, I use JT rods um, and uh, I use Filet Maker fish boards. Yeah. Uh, and that's really who I tie myself to and that's it. Yeah. Um, because they're my friends, you know. Yeah, um, that's that's what I do, and I don't really care about the rest anymore. I, it fishing in AA and radio, uh, all of it, wrestling. There's politics and everything, man. Yeah, uh, and if you don't think there isn't, uh, open your eyes. You know, I like you. I needed AA bad mm -hmm. when I sobered up. You know, I needed yeah. to find something to keep me away from wanting. Uh, that next line or that next uh, dropper or that next bottle. Mm -hmm. um, and so just like you, I mean, I bet you I did 100, 120 meetings my first 90 days. Yeah, I had to. I mean, I walked in off a bender. The day I got sober, uh, I walked to a friend's house, knocked on the door and didn't say a word. He opened the door. His wife and kids were there opened the door, said nothing, come on in, man, walked me upstairs to a room that he created in the attic, said, here's a bed, you let me know if you need anything. Two and a half days later, I emerged from his attic, mm -hmm. and he took me to a meeting, and we went to meetings nonstop, day meetings, night meetings, AA meetings, NA meetings, for like three and a half months. Yeah. And uh, it was what I needed. And then I found a pace and I found meetings that I really enjoyed more and did that. And then eventually um, I quit going to meetings and I quit going to meetings, not because I didn't need them mm -hmm. uh, because the meetings were causing me stress because mm -hmm. there's some politics in AA, man. Yeah. Uh, there's people who think that if you don't do sober their way, you're not doing it the right way. If you don't follow the big book or the 12 steps to a T and redo them every day, uh, you're not doing it right. And uh, I don't like it when people tell me I'm not doing my life right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. And so then I started doing it my way and uh, uh, my ways worked okay. Um, is it the best? No. Uh, is it for Tim? No. Is it for Joe or Shelly? I don't know but it works for me. Yeah. There, you know, there are people listening to this right now that are probably, you know, um, regular members of AA or, or another program that are probably like, you know, what did he just say? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I, I've known a lot of people that, that have stopped going to meetings and I've, a lot of them drank, you know, that's the big fear. Like if you don't go to meetings, you're going to drink. And so I guess, I guess the only thing I can say to the people that are listening to that is don't make not having to go to AA your goal. Like don't set that as a goal because that's yeah. usually when it ends up disastrous. The people that stop going to AA, it usually, they usually just stop. And some of those people drink and a lot of those people go on and just live their lives. You know, there are a lot of, a lot of factors at play, but don't make, you know, don't go to AA. When I first started going to AA, that was my plan. My plan was to go to AA long enough to figure out how to not need AA anymore. And cool. um, 
it that usually would last about three months and then I'd drink, <laughs> you know, and then when I just, I took the end game out of it and just started going, you know, just, I just can't stay sober on my own. And I, my life sucks, yeah. you know, the way that I know how to do it isn't very good. So I'm going to try to learn all that stuff, but you know, we, 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 we do know, I do know a lot of people who I sponsored a guy one time that literally the only thing wrong in his life was alcohol. As soon as he stopped drinking, everything changed. He was a nice guy. He was honest. He didn't do anything wrong. He just would hole up in a hotel, spend all his money on booze until he got to the point where his kids would have to come get him and take him to a detox or something to get sober because he was about to die. In every other regard, he was completely normal. So as soon as he stopped drinking, he started a business, did very, very well for himself, bought a house all by himself, like just started doing these regular life things and was like, yeah, I just don't drink anymore. You know, and for me, I was just like, that's it's not how it goes. You know, they would, yeah. you know, when I started doing like you, the, you know, doing like 90 meetings in 90 days, I was like 90. That's it. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm on, I'm on track to do about three times that many for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, I don't go to anywhere near as, as many meetings. And, and, you know, I have time for, I'm like, oh, I wish I was a little more active, but, you know, there were a lot of reasons that I kind of backed off on my meetings. Work is a big part of them. I find, yeah. you know, I find um, a lot of what always felt missing, you know, through my work with people that I work with and, you know, and people like you that I've met in the industry and, and opportunities to give back. Cause you know, anybody that's been to AA has heard, you got to give it away to keep it. And that doesn't just mean AA. No, you know, I use the word benevolence as my life guide. Yeah. Um, people think benevolence is um, money and they're wrong. Uh, benevolence is giving. Mm -hmm. um, I give of myself in many ways, whether it's time, skills, energy, uh, experience, and sometimes money. And that makes me feel good. So I have to, I've, I've just found that I have to be part of a benevolent life in order to feel right. Otherwise yeah. I'm depressed. I just pity party, I'm yeah. foul, you know, just, ugh. so I'm, I'm a city councilman. Yep. Um, I have a nonprofit. Um, I have all kinds of organizations I work with. I've created a bunch of fundraisers in our community and I give money back to our Lake Association, to our fishing club. Uh, I go do the Hooked on Hard Water event every year. And you know, this year, the first year I did it, and then they asked me to speak again this year at the banquet. Um, I ugly cry like a mother up on stage in front of people. And it's, you know, to me, it's somewhat embarrassing, but man, that's how it makes me feel. I mean that giving of my time yeah a little bit of my dollars to drive seven hours away to the black hills and fish this event mm -hmm. um whoop-de-doo i go on all kinds of fishing trips you know i fished yeah. all over you know canada and the u.s um and it costs money it does yeah. um but for me i get to spend a day and a half with a kid who may never get that opportunity yeah who lives, I mean, I've, I, my young guy I was with this year, 15 years old, Tim, five or six brothers and sisters, I think he said, um, got COVID, got told by his parents, don't even think about coming home for two weeks. 15. Jeez. Lives a rough life, you know, came yeah. off of a reservation. Um, living in uh, rapid city now and stuff could you imagine being 15 in today's world um mm -hmm. and being told dude you've got this virus whatever don't even think of coming back to this house by your parents yeah <clears throat> it's tough. I, whoa yeah. you know so here i am trying to have a you know i'm trying to do all this fun stuff with my own son and i can't because of you know, he lives with autism and it just, it, it overstimulates him and he, you know, he just can't handle it. And that sucks. I want to do that so bad, but here I get an opportunity to do it with another kid who needs someone in their life to just be this dude that they can hang out with for a little bit and learn some stuff and have some fun and see how equipment works and um, yeah. do all this. And man, 
it made me it made me ball like a baby in front of 250 people at a banquet you know yeah uh, but uh man it feels good yeah it feels good yeah yeah you there's you know cliche you can't put a price tag on that but you you really you really can't you know no. it's nope a, it's just a hard thing to explain anybody that gives knows you know yep gives forgiving people give you know to get but anybody that gives just for the sake of giving knows exactly what you're what you're talking about right now yeah. we got a little 800 acre lake in worthington minnesota where i live and it's not very deep it's a prairie pothole so most of the lake is like six feet deep there's a couple dredge holes that they used to dredge back in the 70s and 80s and when they're maybe 10 feet deep at the most in a couple spots not very big and it holds walleyes and it grows walleyes really good and, and it's fun um but uh it's not the best fishing lake or anything but you know it's it's a prairie pothole so it gets big blue green algae blooms all the time and it's kind mm -hmm. of scummy yep um, so we're trying to do everything we can to improve the water quality and improve the quality of life around it. So through the fishing club uh, here in Southwest Minnesota Fishing Club, which I'm a board member of for the last 12 years, um, we do tournaments and we give money back and we buy docks, floating docks, so we can have tournaments and fun. And uh, we help with water quality improvements on different projects and on the city. Uh, I'm on the Lake Improvement Association and we do filter strips outside on the farm fields before it gets to the lake to curb runoff of silt and chemical and things like that. And man, the last two years, we've had a great year. You know, I got my pontoon that my family and I enjoy and we, uh, we cruise around the lake and it's been clear for the last couple of years for the most part and not a lot of big blooms, which we think, you know, it's because of the efforts we're doing. So yeah, a few years ago, I started this fundraiser with my company with radio works and i bring in uh, an artist uh, or two that are friends of mine and we put on a concert on the lake shore on the third of july and oh, nice. i pay for it all with the help of uh, the nonprofit uh, lake improvement association and uh we put it all on and spend you know ten fifteen thousand dollars stage sound production artists coming in food beer uh pop all this stuff and then uh every dime we raise i give it away every dime i don't even reimburse ourselves uh, we we just do it that's our marketing piece and we have this big concert and heck uh we didn't get to have it last year because of covid but uh the year before i i bet you we had three four thousand plus people sitting in lawn chairs listening to a three-hour show and uh buying beer and and sodas and food hot dogs and burgers and in five hours, we sold $30,000 worth of stuff. Wow. And then you take out what our costs were with it. Um, you know, um, we don't re reimburse ourselves, but you look at that and we, we put $20,000 last year, we gave to the city to purchase kayaks and canoes and paddle boards and life jackets that people now get a rent and utilize the lake, whether that, you know, some of us, we're fortunate enough that we own boats and pontoons and stuff, but there's a lot of people who don't get to enjoy the lake with anything like that, but now they get to rent these things. Cool. And man, we saw all kinds of people, you know, Worthington's a very diverse population with um, uh, a, a large Hispanic population, uh, Southeast Asian, African. We speak like over 50 languages in this town of 13,000 people in the middle of nowhere. And to see all these people get to enjoy this life, yeah, uh, was something that we were able to provide by doing this concert one day and fireworks afterwards and paying for it and then giving every dime away. And oh, it's so cool. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so um, let's talk a little bit about some of these. Um, how do people find, you know, some of these like your nonprofit and, you know, yeah. um, you know, we we serve uh autistic families, um, families living with autism in their lives um, in a 60 mile radius of Worthington, Minnesota. Um, I don't take a dime for our own family. Um, I do okay. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't worry about that. But I know there's a lot of people who don't. Uh, it's expensive. Um, you know, whether it's occupational therapy, speech therapy, um, physical therapy for some of these kids and young adults. Um, 
finding respite care so parents can have a break because it's nonstop every day. Mm -hmm. um, security and safety devices. Um, many people with autism get so frustrated because they can't get it out, their communication skills, that's a huge thing, that they, they hurt themselves. They pound their head on the floor, walls, they punch themselves, they bite themselves. Um, so we buy sling chairs, sensory items, um, crash pads. So if they want to do that, you can take a crash pad, throw it under them and so they don't pound their head on a hardwood floor or something like that. We buy them iPads, um, things like that, that you know people can't, they just can't pay for. Um, we do... Um, things like uh, therapy with horses, um, just that sensory of being able to sit on a horse and ride it and uh, you know, yeah. get that feeling that you don't know, feel the hair and, and things these, these young adults and kids can uh, really, you know, just relax and release. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we do that stuff. And, and uh, we sell t-shirts, uh, hoodies, uh, and we take donations and we give all the money away through grants. And uh, people can apply personally. Uh, the only people that see them is the board of directors. And we decide on uh, if they're worthy and what equipment they need. And we go buy it and we uh, discreetly give it to them. We don't make a, a public scene about it. We don't post about it, uh, about the individual families. We just help them out. And uh, we do that every year. And uh, you can go to our website at keganscause.org or keganscause.com or keganscause.net, you know, I bought them all, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and find out about that. And we named it after my son because that's how it came to be for us. And sure. we're starting a new campaign uh, with t-shirts that we're gonna do seasonally that will sell t-shirts and all the profits go to uh, giving back. Um, and uh, it's called the super happy shirt. And uh, one of the little phrases my son uses all the time is, he uh, saw it on some cartoon or program and, and uh, he runs around and, and uh, he'll just repeat nonstop for like days, whatever, at a, at a time. You make my heart, and my son's got a little lisp, it's kind of cute. Uh, you make my heart super happy. And uh, <laughs> so we did this series of t-shirts we're starting and it's going to say super happy. So the first series says, I'm super happy about autism, awareness and acceptance. And that's it. And the P's in super and happy have a puzzle piece in it. Um, and puzzle piece is a, a symbol of autism. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it, uh, it, you know, signifies unique uh, because puzzle pieces are unique. You know, they only fit in one spot on a yeah. whole puzzle. And uh, autistic people, uh, whether they're very high functioning or very low functioning, that's why they call it the spectrum. You know, there's people all over it, people that function in today's world and run businesses that are autistic, um, you know, people that uh, don't speak uh, that are autistic. Um, it's, it's just an unknown that is all around us everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the only thing people had to relate to for a long time was, uh, you know, if you watched movies and stuff, you saw Rain Man, you know, many would people would say that, you know, Rain Man, you know, you could count the toothpicks when they dropped, you know, it was just superhuman, you know, thing, or you see these kids and, and people with autism that are just musical geniuses and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, that's not the case for everybody. Um, but uh, they have unique qualities and characteristics that they can do. My son doesn't have conversation with us, but he can recite a 30 minute program on PBS and then <laughs> in his room, say it verbatim. Yep. So we do uh, just things to help there. Cool. So that's my nonprofit. Um, and then, you know, I'm involved with uh, Hooked on Hard Water for the Rapid City Club for Boys. Yep. Um, uh, with our friend, uh, mutual friend, Craig Euler. We yep. gotta get you there someday. Um, yeah, I know. It's a super heartwarming, cool thing. And we raised money and this year, um, uh, you know, Craig's dad used to run the Rapid City Club for boys. Mm -hmm. And in Rapid City, you have a lot of reservation kids and stuff that just, it's a hard life, man. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a tough life. And uh, it, uh, they, they just need a place to go. They need someone to be around. Uh, and, the, and Maggie and the crew and Chantel at the Club for Boys, they provide a place. Uh, they provide that uh that escape from yeah. some of the everyday things that suck. 
and uh, they get a place to go and do crafts and learn skills and play games and study and go to a library without being judged, without being scorned, without having to do adult things in life as a kid mm-hmm. because your family makes you. Um, yeah. uh, it, it's a neat thing. So Rapid City Club for Boys is another thing I'm highly involved in. And then, you know, my fishing clubs and things like that. Yeah, I just, uh, I MC the hospice banquet. I do, you know, those things all make me feel good. Nice. Let's talk uh, a little bit of fishing here. Yeah. We'll kind of wind down on that. What's going on in your neck of the woods right now? I know here we're just getting, there are parts of my state that don't even have open water, but most of the state does. So we're, you know, we're getting into open water fishing, getting boats and kayaks back out there. What's going on for you? Uh, we iced out on, on my lake. And I remember I'm on the southern border of Minnesota. We iced out. It was like the 18th or 19th of March, I think it was. We had big 40 mile an hour winds and the ice got really bad and it, it just chewed it up. And uh, so it was gone then, but uh, our walleye season is closed uh, in Minnesota until second, like Mother's Day weekend. Um, and that's when it opens up again. So um, right now, what we're doing is getting in prep territory. If you go up to the Rainy River right now, which is what a lot of people are getting crazy and doing, um, uh, normally my, my journey sends me about the last three days of the season until April 15th or April 14th at 11:59 PM. You can fish, uh, from Lake of the Woods all the way to International Falls on the Rainy River. And it's, it's pure hog hunt trophy. You yeah. Know, I don't, I've never kept a fish in my life. I think you could, I don't know if you can anymore, uh, keep a fish, but, uh, if you want that chance to get big pig walleyes coming out of Lake of the Woods going to spawn in the Rainy River. Um, This is the opportunity. I mean, you'll wait sometimes two hours at a landing just to get your boat in on the river because there's so few. But um, I go up there and uh, uh, a lot, uh, and we have a lot of fun. I fish with Grand Root and and, uh, his crew and uh, Rainy Days Guide Service. And they they, uh, have a heck of a little program that they used to do before COVID and a group of us would get together and Jason Mitchell would come and join us and we do seminars at night oh, give yeah. tips and tricks and uh, so that's about the only place right now that you can actively fish walleye uh, the crappie boom you know is going right now uh, you get into pencil reeds and stuff like that uh, you can have a blast get down to Okaboji where it's open now and Lorith uh, just sent me pictures the other day him and his wife uh, got out and uh they found some crappies so we're pitching docks and uh, doing that before they really get on their beds and stuff like that and I'm one of the guys that I as much as I can you know I avoid fishing the spawn to let them big old gills have their way and it's kind of fun watching them bulls protect the nests and stuff like that and and uh, in crystal waters you can you can see that and do that but uh, that's really where we're at right now is uh, some early season pan fishing in the open water yeah, and um, you know, I put my dock in uh, last week, and uh, I'm going to add another chunk to it because we're we're kind of droughting it. We just in the last week we've got two inches of rain, which is going to help. But we were about two feet down up the lake, wow. and uh, in a prairie pothole lake, that's a lot. I had to pry my pontoon off with a two by six off the lift last year to get it <laughs> off the lake, and uh, so we're getting some water back. So I'll start getting active again. But I'm not I'm not a big open water fisherman. I just, uh, I haven't, I do too many concerts and yeah. uh, events during the summer that we do in town here um, that uh, I just don't open water fish a lot, mostly because of the territory that I'm in. It's not as uh, active. Um, yeah. Shallow warm water lakes just get murky and scummy and the bite just goes away. So we do yeah. a few tournaments a year um, for our fishing club mm-hmm. and uh, walleye tournaments and uh we do that. Uh, we do one in June, one in July, and one in September, and uh, have fun with that. And we give all of our money away from the fishing club uh, to the lake associations. We help with the walleye study on Lake Sarah, which has a very uh, unique strain of walleyes in Minnesota that reproduce in these prairie pothole lakes that isn't very normal. Normally they're stocked, mm. but they found this strain uh, in Lake Sarah. Um, just north of us, about 35 miles, and they do a study, and they're actually doing egg harvest today as we speak. So I got invited to come 
take part in that as they continue this study and they use this strain of walleyes that they're producing in these lakes to stock other lakes, hoping that it will in turn uh, get back to a natural um, reproducing lake itself in, in big fashion so they don't have to stock as much and they can use their efforts to stock other fish. Yep. Yeah, we're in, you know, we're not too, too far behind you. Our ice out was later, but a lot of our southern ponds and stuff, we're, we're just starting to kind of warm things up. Um, what are most people that are fishing for those like pre-spawn crappies doing out there? Here, it's more of a slip bobber game. Yep. Um, cane poles in the reeds, yep. you know, just dropping. Yeah, uh, just, you know, just drop a little hair jig or, uh, you know, if you get little crappie minnows on a hook and just drop it down in the pencil reeds. Um, yep. That's the most fun way. Um, cast and docks, uh, get a little tube jig or uh, just a, a, you can almost use your ice fishing stuff. Um, yeah. uh, my buddies have a company that they started a number of years ago called Crystallized Jigs. And what I found in early season, because the water is mostly clear because you haven't hit a thermocline flip or anything like that, mm -hmm. even in our lakes that are normally murky, <clears throat> excuse me, um, they're crystallized jigs. Uh, they use Swarovski crystals in the eyes. <laughs> yeah. And so they capture all this light. And I don't know what it is, but uh, they're pretty darn good little jig, whatever. And we throw a tube or a, a, a little plastic on them. And we're using three and four millimeters uh, still yeah. and cast them out and, uh, you know, get right up to the pillars of the, you know, a, a dock or whatever under a dock and just slowly drag it back with little pops and, and we're getting crappies that way. Yeah. Um, if you don't have reeds, that's another great way that we're seeing that action right now. And uh, it's fun. Um, one, it helps you get your casting down pretty good. Uh, two, uh, you learn how to gently pull your boat up to a dock to get your <laughs> jig freed up because you're wrapped around a pole or something. Yep. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, you don't need big equipment. You don't need anything fancy. Yep. And uh, that's the kind of fishing I like. Yeah, yeah, same here. I, you know, I'm more known for a, being a fall crappie fisherman out here, and I'll use you know two and a quarter, two and a half inch plastics on a jig head, and uh, we'll try to. That doesn't translate very well in spring. You know, and Matt Johnson, I think, just did a, a tip recently about not putting your ice fishing gear away because correct. You know, those tungsten jigs with a you know a mackie or even some maggots or a piece of worm or whatever on yep. a on a below a, a slip bobber out here it's big that's the popular thing out here is casting slip bobbers we'll and, do a little uh we'll do a little uh johnson spoon or a pinhead the smallest pinhead you can get and if you cast it over top of the reeds whatever if you have weed growth or whatever some yep. uh, some cabbage down below whatever and you still got some life cast it over the top of them those little light jigs with just a plastic on it a mackie on there um you know a jamie works great you know it's got the you know the mm -hmm good flutter behind it yeah just boom, pop and pull that right over top of the reeds those little spoons man they become incredible and you don't think of i'm going to cast a spoon out here into the weeds what yeah. you know you know you think that's odd but you do that and you get those little johnsons and uh the the pinhead minnow um, yep. and throw it over the top and just light line and just keep it right above and just pull it across and them big old crappies come up and just smack it and it's fun. yeah yeah they're hungry they're hungry this time of year. Yeah. You know, they're getting ready to do the dance and it's right. a bunch of energy. So they're, they're looking to bulk up. It's, you know, it's just like in the late, you know, late ice, same, it's yep. that we're in that same period. We just don't have any ice. They're still feeding, you know, for hey, us. Think about, the late ice bite. think about that late ice bite for a crappie. We get in a certain situation where we're fishing like five, six inches of water is all above the reeds in the shallow water. Yeah. And you you know you set the you just give the pop and boom crappie pops right through the hole that's awesome yeah yeah <laughs> cool um well thanks so much chad for you know being on we've we talked about this a while ago i was you know i did that friends and fishing kind of uh zoom live event um when covid first hit and i was going to do another one and then been getting just lots of gentle prodding about you should do a podcast you should do a podcast so um you know, you've been on the top of the list of some of the first people I knew I wanted to have on, especially if I was going to combine fishing and uh, recovery in the two. I knew we'd have plenty to talk about. We could probably go on for another hour, but yeah, I bet we could. Yeah, but I'll uh, we'll cut it off here. Thanks so much for 
you know, for joining. I hope everybody really appreciates this. I'll put links um, in the description and everything so that people who are listening that, that uh, I'll throw links up on the screen, but people that are listening, not watching the video can get those links in the podcast description. And uh, yeah, go check out those websites. And Chad, thanks so much for, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. It's good to hear good to hear yeah. more of your story i know i know yeah, uh, i was really back. happy to get the email from matt that pro day is actually going to be in person this year so yeah um if not before you'll see me in august i hope cool yeah all right thanks man thank you all right thanks so much for tuning into this episode of hooked with tmo fishing podcast i really appreciate all the support i hope you found it educational and informative before I go and sign off on this one, I want to touch on something that Chad and I talked about, and that was his decision to stop going to AA meetings. That's his decision. I respect that, and it's working out very well for him. Um, he's found other, other methods to kind of treat his addictive behavior, but that is not a decision anyone should take lightly, and it's certainly not something that I suggest being a goal or an end game for anyone to set their sights on. We take this a day at a time. We make decisions uh, based on our needs as they come and everybody's decision is different. But for most people, I will say that the decision to stop going to AA ends disastrous. So keep that in mind. It's definitely not something that you should ever even look forward to. I didn't want it to sound like we were promoting that sort of thing. It's a personal decision that, that people make and uh, calculated risk, I guess you could say. Anyway, I hope you found this, this podcast educational, informative, entertaining, one two or all three. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate all the support. Hit that subscribe button. If you're watching this on YouTube, it really helps the channel a lot. Um, can't thank you enough for that. And subscribe to the various um, listening channels, podcast channels. Thanks again. We'll see you on the next one.